Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode 50, Expectations. I am proud and excited and grateful to welcome you to episode 50 of the Awareness Offerings podcast. Here we are. This is a milestone. I now have a catalog of 50 full podcast episodes plus some little mini meditations and episodes and voice notes in the feed. And though it might sound cliche, it's only cliche because some things become cliche because they're just incredibly true. Um, And it is incredibly true that I could not have made it to this point without you who are listening to this right now. (laughs) This has been a process of creative collaboration. I, you know, got the, the inspiration and motivation to start a podcast from a beloved internet friend who said I should start one. And then it was my friends who hyped me up and were excited for me when I actually said I was doing it. And my people gave me feedback when the podcast first started coming out. And it is you, my people, who continue to listen and to share and to um, engage with this. And I am so grateful. I'm humbled and I'm grateful. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a small podcast at this point. I'm not an incredibly polished podcaster. I generate all of this content myself, uh, aside from my incredible intro and outro music that was created by my brother, Oxelasun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, just saying. Um, he makes incredible music. Uh, but I generate the content and edit it and produce it. Um, and so it's, it's pretty organic and in the moment, um, especially because the way this podcast has evolved is that it's just me. There was a time when in the beginning I was, I was doing some interviews. I, I've one of our early episodes is an interview with me and my lovely friend Kumari. Um, and from that point I was kind of oriented toward generating more interviews and having that be the style of the show. Um, but just the way that this podcast has taken shape and the way that my life is and the things that I have space for um, have made it so that it's it's me. It's become sort of this conversation between me and the sacred and whoever is listening on the other end, you, um, where I kind of just get to share in the moment based on what's in front of me and in front of us as a collective um, and share the practices that I have so gratefully been given that can support us in, in the the unique moments that we're living in. Um, so all that is to say, it's it's a deep honor that I have the community of people that I do collaborating with me just by supporting and engaging with this work, um, kind of as just a, as literally a kitchen table podcaster. My office space is in my dining room, and that's where I'm recording this from. Um, so it's a it's a humble effort. It's organic. It's in the moment, and I'm so grateful that we've made it to this point together um, with your support. I'm here, 50 episodes. <laughs> so thank you, thank you so so much. 
And before we get into what this 50th episode is going to be all about, um, I will say, as always, if you'd like to support what's going on here on the show as we start to look toward 50 more episodes, uh, the best ways to do so are by rating and or sharing and or leaving a review on whatever platform you're using to listen. And of course, if you feel called to share on social media or by word of mouth, that is also always welcome. And those things just help other people find the show. And I'm incredibly grateful for that form of support. And I'll say it, I say it every week and I'll say it every week from here on out. I'm still the most grateful just that you're here. So thank you. We're here. (laughs) So before we talk more about this episode and get into it, let's open the space. Without further ado, we'll open the space really intentionally and ritualistically with our traditional opening practice of singing the sound of OM one time. OM has so many meanings, and that's kind of the point. It is said to be the sound that contains all other sounds, the essence that contains all other essences. And so its meaning, its its energy, because Sanskrit is a vibrational language, it's a Sanskrit word, and so the energy of each word is almost more important than the meaning. So the energy of Om is that of is pure consciousness, the awareness that contains all things. So we're asking for that to be the space that we are sitting in and learning from and sharing together as we go into this time that we're sharing on the podcast. So you can do that with me by singing Om out loud, or as always, you can listen silently as a practice. If you're coming along with me, I'll invite you to get your body into a comfortable position. You might choose to turn your gaze inward, kind of working with that inner looking to as a way of that inner looking as a way of accessing consciousness. You might do that by closing your eyes or taking a soft gaze down your nose or toward the floor. You might take a full breath in through your nose if nostril breathing is accessible to you right now. And a full exhale, just clearing some space. And we'll inhale for the sound of OM. Thank you for joining me in that practice. And now for this week's discussion. So this is episode 50. (laughs) And in honor of that milestone, I've done a couple of things. First, I have redesigned the podcast artwork. And it needed to happen anyway because I've cut 10 inches off of my head, uh, 10 inches of hair off my head um, since I designed the original artwork. And my colors and style, the style of the way that I present my work digitally has shifted a little. So it was time to refresh uh, and doing it in time for episode 50 just felt right. So that's been one fun thing going on. And to kind of honor the sense of creative collaboration that I genuinely feel and is the genuine force and reason and motivator and drive behind this podcast, I took requests. I asked you to make suggestions for what we should talk about on this 50th episode of the Awareness Offerings podcast. Um, So 
I did a little poll in my Instagram stories based on the topic suggestions that I received on social media. I asked you to vote and the topic that got the most votes was letting go of expectations, tips for letting go of expectations. So that is where we're going today, this week. And I actually find that really timely and cool because I am recording this here on the 28th of July, 2022, on what happens to be the new moon. You may or may not be listening to this on the new moon, but that new moon energy is still infused in what you're hearing because I am recording this right underneath the new moon here at the end of July. And I'm pretty much right under it. The new moon was complete, right? It was, we reached this moment of completion where um, the, the moon is between the earth and the sun so that the illuminated side of the moon is facing away from the earth right at 1.49 p.m. Eastern today. And I'm recording this around 2.30 in the afternoon. So about 45 minutes ago, the moon, the new moon went complete right there. There was a complete new moon in the sky. So we're right underneath it as we, or I'm right underneath it as I share this with you um, and, and hoping to share that energy with you. Because traditionally, new moons are a time of new beginning. They are the beginning of the moon cycle. And in a lot of indigenous cultures and other kind of um, traditions, the new moon is a time for intention setting, for kind of writing down or speaking aloud or just thinking or doing whatever we might do to call upon the things that we want that we need, that we want to see more of in the world, there's this energy of newness. And so it is a time for new beginnings and being really intentional about engaging with our new beginnings and the things that we want to generate more of in our lives and in the world. And so I find it really interesting and potent that um, you, you know, all of us engaged in this process of coming up with our podcast topic for this week together. And we landed on letting go of expectations, which by the way, thank you. Thank you so much to everyone who offered suggestions and and made this special 50th episode possible. But we landed together on letting go of expectations here on the new moon. And it's really interesting because, you know, traditionally the new moon is for newness, for generating more of what we want and need, whereas the full moon is for release. It's the end of the moon cycle, so it is for letting go. It's the idea is that we have to let, or not that we have to, but that we have sort of cosmic support, that the stars and planets are supporting us in really releasing anything um, that, that we don't need anymore, that isn't going to kind of help help us grow and get more free from the last moon cycle. So full moons are for release. New moons are for generating more, for, for calling in, for, for new beginnings. Um, so it, it might seem kind of flip-flopped that we're talking about letting go of expectations on the new moon, but you really can't have one without the other. I've been talking a little bit and sharing a little bit about this principle in yoga philosophy called Shiva Shakti. Um, And it's the idea of balance or wholeness. I like the word wholeness because sometimes balance can imply expectation. Like we need to be able to balance everything and do everything and be everything. But I mean balance as in wholeness. And Shiva Shakti is this idea of sun moon balance or wholeness. Um, Lunar energy in the tradition of, of yoga and yoga philosophy is associated with kind of inward looking, 
it's cooling, it's reflective, it's a little softer. Whereas solar energy is a little more outward facing. It's fiery, it's dynamic, um, it's strong in the more traditional way we think about strong. And there's this idea that of, of Shiva Shakti and yoga that we're always working to bring those two energies into balance and that that balance always exists. We might need to do some practices to find it in ourselves, but that principle of balance is always unfolding around us and we can see it and feel it and tap into it. And I've been talking a little bit about this lately and my teacher often shares this poem, I believe. I believe it's by Ram Prasad Sen. I could be incorrect about that, so I'm totally open to being wrong here. But my spiritual teacher here in Atlanta, Swami Jayadevi, likes to, when she's talking about this balance principle, the Shiva Shakti principle, um, she often shares this line from the poem, from a poem that I believe is by Ram Prasad Sen, that is, or that goes, Shakti devours Shiva. And after he, her. Shakti devours Shiva and after he, her. And she shared that with me once during a teaching when I got a little confused because she was talking about Shiva, who is a figure, a a deity, a, a, a symbol and a figure in the Hindu and yogic traditions, which have both formed alongside one another in India and in South Asia. So they are not the same, but have a very deep influence on one another. And Shiva is said to be the original yoga practitioner. And she was teaching one time about how Shiva represents stillness. And I was a little bit confused by that. And I told her I was confused because my understanding of Shiva is that he is associated with that solar energy, that dynamic, strong, outward, moving energy. There are even you know, images of Shiva dancing. And the idea symbolically and energetically in yoga philosophy is that he has danced the universe into motion. And so I, I expressed my confusion to my teacher. I was like, how is Shiva so deeply associated with stillness when he's also so deeply associated with movement? And she offered that line of that poem to me, Shakti devours Shiva, and after he, her. And my understanding of that, especially as I've had years to digest that and to see it unfold in my own life, is that it might seem like Shiva Shakti, like lunar and solar energies are opposites, but they're deeply intertwined. You can't have one without the other and they're really not that different from each other. One contains the other, and the other contains the one. (laughs) Shakti devours Shiva, and after he, her. And the reason that I share that when I'm talking about this, this cool little position we found ourselves in this week where we're talking about releasing expectations on the new moon is that you can't have one without the other. Even though new moons are traditionally for beginnings, you can't have a beginning without release. In order to have the space both to kind of call on and direct our energy and our time and our intention toward what we want more of in our lives and in the world and to have the space to receive whatever newness is coming our way and to really see it for what it is and know that it has arrived, right? In order to have that space, we first have to release We have to let go of what is taking up space that would otherwise be occupied by the new stuff that we're asking for. 
We have to release whatever kind of misperceptions might be clouding our vision and keeping us from being able to see and envision the newness that we want to see and to recognize the newness when it arrives. So we can't have the newness of a new moon or any kind of new beginning because, you know, in my tradition, in my understanding, every breath is a new beginning, but we can't have newness without release. So I find it cool that all that is a long and winding way of sharing with you why I think it's so cool that we've landed on this topic of letting go of expectations on the new moon. We're releasing to receive. We're making space for what's new by letting go of expectations of what it should look like. So here we go. Let's talk about releasing expectations. So now that I have laid the groundwork for why I'm so excited and why I think it's so cool that we're talking about this this week, I want to define what expectations we're talking about. Um, I want to create an operational definition for expectations. Um, my, my, uh, my sort of scientific method brain, which is one I have to turn on every once in a while because I am uh, a student of social work um, and, and psychology and, you know, there is a science to that. Um, so my scientific method brain is, is, is coming into play and saying, let's create an operational definition so we're all on the same page for what we're talking about when we sit here and talk about releasing expectations. And the way that I want to do that, and one of the most effective ways, I think, to define what something is, is to talk about what it is not. (laughs) So what I am not talking about are expectations for how we expect to be seen, cared for, or treated. I am not talking about those kinds of expectations. The kind of expectations I will be talking about releasing in this episode are the expectations of a certain outcome, okay? So we're talking about outcomes. We are not talking about standards. We are not talking about boundaries. We are not talking about how we expect people to treat us, to see us, to recognize our humanity, right? So I just want to, it feels important to be really clear that I'm not sitting here saying we should be releasing expectations that people use our pronouns or that people see us in our full human experience if we experience some kind of marginalization, like if, you know, as, as women, or if you're a person of color, or if you, you know, are a disabled or a person with a disability, I should say. Um, So we're not recent, we're not releasing or, or just like, and in any kind of human relationship where people, you know, people show up together and we expect that people treat us with a certain level of humanity and courtesy and respect, we are not releasing those expectations. Just want to name that. It is, this is a new moon in Leo. Leo is the fierce lion. So let's be fierce and be real clear. We're not releasing those expectations. No. Okay. So our operational definition of the expectations we are releasing is outcomes. We're talking about expectations for a certain outcome, how we want things to go, the way we want reality to be, regardless of whether reality actually is that way or not. Okay, that is the expectations that I'm going to be talking about here now that you have inspired and invited me to talk about letting go of expectations. Okay, so there's the playing field 
I've laid it out as thoroughly as possible. Um, this is one of the longer like lead-ins to a topic I've ever had. We're already 20 minutes in almost, but I have laid it out. So here we go. Expectations are a form of grasping for control. When I think about expectations, what that feels rooted into me And this doesn't come from me. I'm not claiming to know anything or be the expert on anything. This comes from sitting and studying with with spiritual teachers and um, studying the human experience by living it, right? These are just understandings that I have. But when I think about what an expectation is, what that feels rooted in to me is a desire to know, to know what's going to happen. If we're talking about expectations as they relate to outcomes, we have expectations because we either assume that we know what's going to happen in a certain situation, we know what the outcome is going to be, or we really, 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 really want that outcome. Either way, it is a desire to know what's going to happen, and it's a desire to control what's going to happen. And in a lot of ways, that can be a fight against reality (laughs) because it takes, let me, let me make sure I have my, my train of thought correct here. Um, that, that expectation can be a fight against reality because we can sit around and we can hope for the future, all we want, which that's different than expecting having hope with an open heart and with, you know, a genuine desire without kind of causing ourselves pain or suffering or stress or tension or, you know, nodding ourselves up into a ball around the, the, the need to have something go a certain way. That's different, right? Just a a hope feels lighter. It feels like there is less attachment and more openness while still honoring what we want, right? So, but we can sit around and we can try to predict the future um, and we can think about what we really, really want um, and what we, how we hope things go all day long. But the reality is we have no idea. Life is this complex and often chaotic unfolding of different people and energies and circumstances and events. And we just don't actually know what's going to happen next. And so the reality that we want in our minds, there's a really good chance it may be different than the reality that actually unfolds. And so having these really rigid expectations can often be a fight with reality. And it takes a lot of energy to fight with reality because reality is the realest thing there is. And I will point out that the kind of the the grandfather, the spiritual grandfather of my lineage of yoga, if you will, who is an Indian saint by the name of Neem Karoli Baba, um, he was Ma Jaya's teacher. He was her primary teacher. Um, and he inspired her to found my lineage of yoga, the Kashi lineage. So Neem Karoli Baba is really revered in my lineage. He said, you can plan for a hundred years but you don't know what will happen the next moment. (laughs) So just want to point out that it is um, verified by my lineage that we indeed have no idea what's actually going to happen. And so that's where we get into the situation where reality can end up being a lot different than the outcome that we're hoping for and holding really tightly to expectations and allowing 
I don't want to say allowing, but um, what's a good word? Like getting really caught in pain when things don't align with our expectations is a fight with reality. That's when it becomes us fighting with reality and it takes a lot of our energy. And I think I share that just to point out why it can be helpful to let go of expectations because expectations are a form of control, of needing to know, and can often end up with us fighting, can often lead us into a situation where we're fighting with reality. So it's a really great way to conserve our energy when we work to let go of expectations. And before I talk about ways we can do that, I just want to kind of circle back to something that came up as I was kind of speaking about this a moment ago, about how there is a difference between hope and expectation. Hope feels like awareness. It feels like owning to ourselves, acknowledging to ourselves in a moment of awareness, this is something that I want. This is something that I hope will, will unfold for me. And it's creative and it's, it's generative. It, it generates energy in the direction of the goodness that we, that we want and need. And I think hope is beautiful. And like I said, there's an opportunity when we're in a space of hope to be in more lightness, to own that we want something, but to give ourselves the space to know that that might not be how it unfolds and to not grab it, right? Attachment in yoga philosophy and in Sanskrit is associated with the idea of grabbing. So the Sanskrit word and principle, it's, it's both a Sanskrit word and it's a principle of yoga. Um, non-attachment, the, the Sanskrit word for that is aparigraha and graha is like to grab. So we're talking about not grabbing. And so getting really caught in something, getting really kind of single going into like a single pointed focus where we can't be okay essentially and our self-worth is tied up in it those are examples of ways we can grab onto a hope and then it becomes an expectation but hope allows us to kind of there's this buddhist idea of holding life with an open palm right not pushing anything away either what's meant for us will come and we don't have to push it away but also not grabbing not not getting really tight around the things that we want just holding them with an open palm like we would hold a lotus flower and so it feels like hope and the sweetness of it and the lightness of it gives us an opportunity to hold lightly so i just felt it was really important to emphasize that distinction between hope and expectation expectation is where we get really grabby we hold on tight to the point where we're tightening up we become constricted around it we become so tight that we don't think we can be okay without whatever it is that we're expecting, whatever outcome that we're hoping for. And the one other thing I want to kind of just offer as I get ready to talk about how we can let go of expectations is this is so normal. <laughs> it's so normal and so human to have certain expectations, to want outcomes to be a certain way. I'm in it. I'm living it right now. I've been living it for about a year and, you know, throughout my life, but really acutely and in a way I can really see clearly that it's happening for about a year as I have worked with kind of wanting my life to be a certain way, wanting certain romantic partnerships to work out, um, wanting to hit some like societally 
established milestones for my life as far as, you know, marriage and kids and all that kind of stuff as I get into my late 20s. Um, I've been working with it, right? Having expectations and working with the expectations that have been placed on me that might not even necessarily be mine. So I just want to share that to normalize that it's so freaking human to have expectations. And like we said earlier, it can free up a lot of our energy when we do the work to let them go. So let's talk about it. How can we let go of expectations? The thing that comes to mind for me is centered around this idea that expectations are rooted in a desire to control and a desire to know. They're rooted in a desire to control and a desire to know. And the antidote, almost the opposite of a desire to control and a desire to know from what I have learned and studied with my teachers and in my path is curiosity. Curiosity. One of my teachers, Swami Jayadevi, one of her quotes that I love so much that I got a tattoo on my neck inspired by this quote is, who would you be if you stopped living like I know and started living like I wonder? Who would you be if you stopped living like I know and started living like I wonder? And that's it to me. You know, I could give you like a handbook, a list of, of a, you know, a bunch of steps to letting go of expectations. But I think, you know, in my understanding, it's pretty simple. Curiosity. Curiosity is how we let go of expectations because when we're curious, when we're in a space of wonder, when we're open to the possibility and we wonder what's going to happen, we are kind of naturally not in that space of this is what I want. This has to happen for me to be okay. I know this is going to happen. I have to control this outcome and I got to know what's going to happen. A space of I wonder, I'm curious as to what this outcome is going to be is kind of the opposite of that. That's what it feels like to me. And that mantra, you know, that, that quote from my teacher has, has become a mantra for me of, I wonder, I wonder. And it has become a really useful and powerful tool for me in a lot of moments where I find myself getting caught to where my heart is really on the line when it comes to an expectation where I feel like I know, I either know something's going to happen or I feel like I know something's not going to happen the way I want it to. I wonder is the tool and it's been incredibly freeing, right? It, it truly tangibly feels like it frees up the knots of tightness that expectation and attachment can create to where things can flow. The things that are happening can move through me and I can move through them and just see to see how the fuck it turns out. And so I wonder is the tool that I have to offer. Because I'll find myself in a moment where, you know, I shoot my shot with a romantic partnership or a potential romantic partnership and I get rejected. And I get into the mindset of, oh, I'm never going to speak to this person again or you know, this person hates me or like I'm never going to find my person, whatever it's going to be. 
And then I catch myself because that's what practicing awareness helps us do is see ourselves doing things as we're doing them. So we have some control over what we're doing and how we're responding. And I catch myself and I say, okay, I wonder what's going to happen. Because the truth is, I don't know. I think I know and it might feel more comforting to know so that I can either let myself be angry or let myself be hopeful rather than just being in this really uncomfortable, unknown, in-between space, even though that's the reality of where I am and I don't need to fight against it. (laughs) Um, But I really don't know. And so I wonder. I wonder what's going to happen. And I'll say, I can give you one more tool. Maybe it's not just one. I can give you another one. Another mantra that has been helpful to me in releasing expectations and attachment because the two things feel so, so intertwined to me um, is I don't know shit (laughs) if that's resonant to you. And it's not meant to be like a, like a, um, like a, what's the, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Like a self-deprecating mantra. It's not meant to be to serve shame. It's not meant to um, like reinforce any narrative that like we don't actually know anything or that we don't have knowledge or power or are not smart and creative. That's not what that means. It's just like a, it's a playful ribbing of myself where I'm like, you think you know. You actually think you know what's gonna happen or what's not gonna happen. You don't know shit. <laughs> like you don't know what's gonna happen in the next moment. Like Baba said, you can plan for a hundred years. You don't know what's going to happen in the next moment. And as I speak it out loud, I think, you know, by the grace of Ma, who is my primary teacher, um, you know, the deep and devoted student of Baba, Neem Crowley Baba, um, I think it's her because she was from Brooklyn. um, And so she had like the Brooklyn mojo uh, in her spiritual teachings, which is why she was so incredible and authentic and accessible to so many people. And she would probably look at me if I ever got the chance to be in front of her, which I did not, but she's around. She'd probably look at me if if she heard me, you know, speaking about my life the way that I sometimes do when I get caught in expectations. She'd probably be like, Tara Davy, you don't know shit. (laughs) And it would be full of so much love. And that's how I see it for myself too. Or I'm just like, I don't know shit. I don't know shit. (laughs) And it's really freeing because that also means I don't have to know shit. It's not on me to know what's going to happen. It's just on me to show up with my heart open. And that's the deepest teaching of my yoga lineage from, you know, my, my, my spiritual teacher who is in her form right now, Swami Jai Devi, from the primary teacher of my lineage, Majaya, from her primary teacher named Crowley Baba. That's the essence of everything I've learned is that it's not on us to figure it out. It's just on us to freaking love what's in front of us. So that's what I have for you. Tips for letting go of expectation. Know that that is rooted in a need to control and a desire to know. And when you see that, curiosity. Use I wonder. And if you feel yourself getting real caught, especially in like shame or unworthiness or despair around the things that you expect, especially if they're not happening, try I don't know shit as a tool. So let's put these into practice for a moment. This is the moment in the Awareness Offerings podcast where we put the ideas that we're discussing into embodied practice through meditation, contemplation. So as always, if you're in a position where you are not able to pause and sit and go inward, 
you're showering or driving or doing the dishes or whatever you might be doing, this would be a great time to pause and to come back when you're ready. If you are ready now, you might find your way into a comfortable seated position, which is any seat that allows you to lengthen your spine. Spinal column is the central channel of energy in the body. And so when there's space there, there's more fluidity, right? Tightness is associated with that sense of attachment and control. Fluidity is associated with that sense of curiosity and openness. So we find that openness right in the body just by lengthening the spine. And you can truly position yourself however you need to to find that. You could be sitting in the traditional seat of meditation where you're on the ground. I would say sit on something, get your hips off the floor, like on a blanket or a pillow or a cushion, and you might be sitting with your legs crossed. You might not be. Your legs might be outstretched. You might have your feet on the floor. You might be sitting on your heels. You might be sitting in a chair or with your back against the wall or on your bed. All of those are fine. Just find that space in your spine. And as you do so, you might settle into this space of meditation through the act of closing your eyes, though you never have to close your eyes, especially if that creates tightness. You could also just choose to soften your gaze as a way of settling in. You might gaze softly down the tip of your nose or toward the floor. You might, if you haven't yet, begin a practice of breath awareness. No requirements here, no expectations of the breath. You don't have to do anything other than observe that it is happening like you would observe a bird flying across the sky. Just noticing that you're inhaling and exhaling, hearing the sounds, observing the patterns, feeling the movement of your body that occurs with each breath, just watching as a way of inviting your mind, your body, and your focus into one place centering and establishing some presence. And as you watch your breath, I'm going to invite you to watch your mind. That's a cool thing that meditation can teach us how to do. If we can watch the mind, if we can observe that we're having thoughts, the thoughts we're having, and let them go without needing to attach or grab to every single one of them, almost like we would observe the breath, we kind of send ourselves a signal that we are not the mind. If we can observe the mind, if there's a part of us that can watch the mind, that means we're not just made up of mind. We're bigger than that. So you begin to watch your mind. A great, great kind of science lab for starting to cultivate that non-attachment. Because it's so easy to attach to each thought. To jump onto each thought train and need to write it to its conclusion. To... Identify with each story that the mind comes up with as if it is ultimate truth. But the idea behind yoga is that the mind is not ultimate truth. And so you begin to watch your mind. And we'll use curiosity. We'll begin to 
embody our curiosity first within the mind so that we have the tools to embody it in other spaces in our lives. So you start to use the mantra, the affirmation, the self-inquiry question, I wonder what my next thought will be. Just breathing in, breathing out. I wonder what my next thought will be. That's a question, a tool that comes from Majaya, from the primary teacher in my lineage of yoga. I wonder what my next thought will be. And a few things happen. That question gives us a a lens through which to watch the mind. Because if we're wondering what the next thought will be, we're not completely caught up in thinking the thought. We're, We're expanding beyond the mind a little bit. And we're finding the space in between the thoughts because we're not in them as much as we just wonder about them. I wonder what the next thought will be. And then, of course, we are practicing curiosity. The mind likes to know. The soul wonders. And so we practice wondering about the thoughts as a way of inviting that fluidity. I'm inviting the thoughts to come and go without needing to know what's going to happen or to control the thoughts, to control the outcomes that the thoughts point us toward. We sit in a space of curiosity of, I wonder what my next thought will be. I wonder what my next thought will be. I wonder what my next thought will be along with the rhythm of the breath, just creating this and a melody of curiosity for yourself, this fluidity to balance out the the tightness, the constriction of expectations. Now, having started just with the, with the simple tool of working with your moment-to-moment thoughts, we'll stretch that curiosity practice a little broader, and I'll invite you to bring to mind a situation where you're feeling a little stuck, where there is expectation of a certain outcome, where you really want to know or control, where you have a lot of attachment And the way to know if you have a lot of attachment is if it hurts a whole freaking lot when you think about it. So bring to mind that situation. You know what it is for you. And let's just cover it in curiosity for a moment. Let's just breathe in the mantra as a sacred sound. I wonder. And breathe out. I wonder. Breathing in. I wonder. Breathing out, I wonder. 
Breathing in, I wonder. Breathing out, I wonder. Just take a few more self-led rounds of that curiosity practice, that curiosity mantra of I wonder. Directing it toward whatever situation or person or circumstance you have in mind. It's going at your pace in your way. Take another breath in, I wonder. Take another breath out, I wonder. Then we'll begin to transition from our practice with some clearing breaths as we often do. But now I'm gonna invite you to imagine that you could place something that you're trying to let go of on this breath some expectation, some attachment, some desire. It's gonna put it in your throat like you could breathe it out because we're gonna take an inhale through the nose and a clearing sigh through the mouth. Two more. One. You can begin to make your way out of that contemplative inward facing space by blinking your eyes open, maybe moving your body, starting to re-enter the external a little bit. But that doesn't mean that just because you're not formally meditating that you're not capable of internal awareness. The practice becomes embodied as we take it with us into the external. So as you come back to the external, I'll invite you to continue to notice what your internal experience is like. My hope, although you know how you feel and you get to feel exactly how you feel, but my hope is that you feel the fluidity of spiritual curiosity. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A, on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, whom you can also find on Instagram. <laughs>